This week, we're starting a brand new series on the podcast all about Firefly, one of my absolute favorite shows of all time. My good friend Jane Smith will be coming by and watching every episode with me and then having a discussion afterwards, which we will record and bring to you right here on the podcast. It's all starting in this episode, and I am pumped about it. Here we go. I have been waiting for years to talk about Firefly on the podcast. I always wanted to get through Star Trek The Next Generation first because it's my all-time favorite show and I really wanted to talk about every single episode of TNG and that has been accomplished and that makes me proud. So now it is time to move on to Firefly. Since there's only 14 episodes of Firefly, that gave us the opportunity to be a little bit more in-depth with this show and devote individual episodes of the podcast to individual episodes of Firefly. I just love that. I, I love that as a podcast format. I listen to shows that do that. I've always wanted to do that. And uh, as I'm recording this intro to this episode, I've already recorded four of these episodes with Jane. So we've gotten all the way through episode four of Firefly. And it is so fun. I'm really loving it. And I am so excited to begin putting these out and sharing them with you. I hope you enjoy. I have to tell you, I finally, finally saw Black Panther last night. And wow, it was awesome. It was awesome. I adored it. I kept thinking to myself during the movie, I adore this. I kept thinking that over and over. It's a great film. It's just fun and well-made, well-acted, well-produced, everything about it, well-directed, I mean, well-written. It's a great film. I just loved it. It reminded me of, you know, being a kid and watching Star Trek The Motion Picture or Return of the Jedi for the first time, where every moment that something was happening on the screen, I was just in. I was just tuned in and, and so involved in the story because it was just transporting me away to this place, to this magical world of Wakanda that was just so exciting to be in. And, you know, I think that, I think I, I never really reacted well to Avatar. I just don't like that movie that much. But one of my best friends, Dan, back in San Diego, used to just tell me all the time how involved in that movie he was and how he went to see it like 14 times in the theaters because he just wanted to be in the world of Pandora. I never felt that way about Avatar, but I sure as hell felt that way about Wakanda. I mean, that's that's a place that I wanted to be and wanted to live in. Um, and then beyond that, the movie is just good for the world, which was really exciting. It was like... It was like medicine for the planet Earth watching this movie. Like, There's a scene, uh, I, I don't want to give any spoilers here, but I'll just say that there's a speech in the movie. There's a scene with this great speech that talks about how humanity needs to look out for, for itself. We need to look out for each other and treat humanity as one tribe. And it made me just like tickled with joy. I just It's, it's what I talk about on this show all the time. Uh, the idea that good pop culture media and good science fiction in particular for me personally can bring people together and make positive change. And I think that one of the most effective ways to make positive change is just to show something that is better. And that's how I felt about Black Panther. And I, I loved it. I adored it. Great movie in every sense of, of being a good movie. So go see it. Support it. 
put your your dollars into it. It is worth it. Uh, it was wonderful. I had such a peculiar experience watching it. Again, this is going to be spoiler free, but uh, the theater that Andy and I went to see it in last night actually uh, broke during the movie. So we got to the the first scene that takes place on the the ancestral plane, and I won't, you know, I guess that's a spoiler to say that there's the ancestral plane, but it, I don't know. Well, there's a scene that takes place in the ancestral plane. I'm sorry if that's a spoiler, but uh, the the movie broke right after that. Like the the lights started flickering in the theater, and the movie turned off, and everyone was like looking at each other, like, "What's happening?" It actually took about like 20 to 30 minutes for them to get this sorted out and get the movie back up on the screen. But something kind of amazing happened where uh, not that many people left. I, I think a couple of people walked out, but but people just stayed and they just wanted to see the rest of the movie. So we just hung around like we had not heard anything from the theater as to whether or not it was going to work or not. We were just kind of waiting in limbo for quite a while and nobody really left. Uh, and I I thought to myself like, man, this is boring and I, I really want the movie to come back on and like this might not work and maybe I should leave. But I couldn't get myself out of the seat because even the possibility that I could see what happened next tonight, you know, tonight being last night when I watched the movie, even the possibility that that could happen kept me in that seat. So the movie was so good that it, it didn't just keep me in the seat while it was playing. It kept me in the seat while the movie was broken and I was waiting to find out if it could play. Uh, and of course it did get fixed and then we got to see the rest of the movie. They accidentally like started it beyond the point that we were at when they brought the movie back up. Well, I mean, that's not technically true. They had a really hard time fast-forwarding to the right part. So they started, like, in the previews, they'd play half a preview and then fast-forward for a second, and then they'd play the next preview and fast-forward for a second, and the movie came back on, and then they fast-forward a little bit. And then they accidentally jumped beyond the point that we were at. And I was like, oh my god, spoilers! I can't watch this right now. So I, like, closed my eyes and closed my ears and uh, and was, like, humming and just... <laughs> I just didn't want to see anything because I was so invested in what was happening in the film. And then they finally got it back to to close to where we had been. It was like, you know, maybe like a couple seconds beyond where we had been in the, in the progression of the movie in the astral, uh, or not the astral plane, the uh, ancestral plane. And, uh, and someone in the theater shouted, close enough. And I was like a little disappointed that I didn't see every single moment of the movie. But then they let it roll. And then like two minutes later, they rewound it again to a scene before the ancestral plane and then we got to watch the whole thing again and i i it was a bizarre way to watch a movie and it really pulled me out of the movie to have it stopped in the middle it was very frustrating i've never actually experienced that in a movie theater where the movie projection breaks and they have to fix it during the time that i'm sitting in that theater uh but but it, it was amazing to me that the moment we got to a new frame of footage that i hadn't yet seen um beyond that ancestral plane into the next scene uh, the moment we got past that, I was immediately back in and immediately reinvested with like the full force and vigor of all of my brain power because every frame of the movie was just delicious and juicy. Uh, Denai Guerrera, who I, th- I don't know if I'm saying her name correctly. I hope I am, but she she is Michonne on The Walking Dead. She, she was in this movie and she was wonderful. I've you know you don't really get to see her personality or her like smile or be happy on The Walking Dead because that show is fucking grim. But just getting to see her kind of wink and smile and be charming was such a joy. I mean, she's so great in this movie. And 
you know, shot way higher up in my estimation of like my favorite performers. Um, she's now on that list because of just these two performances. She's great on The Walking Dead, but that character is, you know, emotionally limited, where the character that she plays in Black Panther was just joyful to watch on screen at all times. Uh, Lupita Nyongo, Chadwick Boseman, Michael B. Jordan. God, these performances were phenomenal. I mean, I'm going to have to do an episode or a live stream or something about this movie to chat about it because it's just, I obviously, I want to because I loved it. So let's, I'm, I'm going to stop talking about Black Panther right now besides to say please go see it because it's fucking awesome uh i also have to give a big thank you to my friend paula who has left us another five star review on itunes so we're now up to 14 it's very exciting let me read this to you because it it was it was so sweet um it's called mercury rising (laughs) it says i found my home planet and it is mercury if i'm in the mood for a walk down sci-fi memory lane looking for a voice to share my excitement for an upcoming star anything film or just a voice of hope for a bright future of equality and peace this is my happy place jesse mercury is the talented nerdy little brother you always wanted and his guests are the imaginative crowd you want to hang out with after the show pick any episode listen and enjoy if you aren't one over in 20 minutes and looking for the subscribe button well then report to sick bay my friend (laughs) i love that so much paula thank you so much i was very touched by that so uh i i may have mentioned this on the show many times in the past, but it has always been my dream to be among the top sci-fi podcasts on iTunes. My dream is that when you type in the word sci-fi in iTunes or science fiction, that my show would pop up, and that doesn't happen. So when you search for sci-fi on iTunes, it shows you actually a hundred (laughs) podcasts, a hundred different podcasts that are about science fiction. And if you scroll all the way down to the bottom of the list and look at the last podcast and how many iTunes rating and reviews it has, it has 14 reviews. Um, They're not actually all five-star reviews. It has 14 reviews. And I'm a nerd, so I did this. I'm I'm obsessed. So I I looked, and uh, the next episode has, I think, 15 or 16 or something like that. I'm pretty sure that the way that iTunes works is that ratings and reviews dictate whether or not you show up in search results. Below the 100 podcasts that show up on iTunes, it actually has this little message that says... Less relevant items are not displayed. To narrow your results, use more specific search terms. So if you search for sci-fi with Jesse Mercury on the podcast app, then you will find me. But if you just search for sci-fi, you don't find me. And I... I've expressed recently some of my frustrations with trying to figure out how to help this show grow. This has been one of my goals the whole time to help this show grow. To help show grow. To help this show grow is to get it in this list of 100 sci-fi podcasts on iTunes. And we are so close. As long as I'm understanding this correctly, and this is based off of ratings and reviews, we're so close. And I know I say this all the time, but if you enjoy this show, please leave us a positive rating and review because it makes a big difference and we are right on the line of, of being in that list of 100 shows that actually show up on iTunes. Um, so, Polly, you've gotten us very, very close. I really appreciate it. If you're listening to this, if you haven't left us a positive rating and review, you can hear the excitement in my voice. This is something that I want to happen for myself. It's a personal goal to have built a podcast that shows up in this list, and we're almost there, so I'd love your help. That would be wonderful. Thank you. <laughs> Okay, let's get into my discussion with Jane about the very first episode of Firefly. We're going to be going through every single episode, and uh, we're actually going to be doing this in consecutive episodes of the podcast. So um, I I have recorded four episodes of Firefly, and I've recorded an, uh, the season four of Babylon 5 with Doug. So my plan right now is to release four episodes of Firefly and then do that episode with Doug and then get back into Firefly and just keep these Firefly episodes coming out. 
and then do season five of Babylon 5, some in there. Some, some in, I can't speak today. Somewhere in there also. Um, so for the most part, we are now embarking on our journey to be a Firefly podcast, which is kind of fun, with some Babylon 5 sprinkled in for good measure. All right, let's do it. Here is Jane and myself talking about Firefly. Take my love, take my land, take me where I cannot stand. I don't care, I'm still free. Take the sky from me Take me out to the black Tell them I ain't coming back Burn the land and boil the sea You can't take the sky from me There's no place I can be since I found serenity But you can't take the sky from me Let's do it. <laughs> All right. Uh, Jane Smith, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you very much. Happy to be here. This is something that we've been talking about for a long time. This is years in the making. Years in the making. Yes. Years, literally years. It's taken a long time, and I'm very happy it's finally happening. It's happening. Yeah. We're going we're gonna to watch and discuss... Every episode of Firefly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, pretty much, you know, the best show. Yeah. Um, I, I still haven't found anything that moves me quite as deeply as Firefly. Like, it's been years, and it holds up just as good as the first time I saw it. I'm so in love with the show. Yeah. Tell me about your, your history of, of Firefly. Like, how did you find the show, and how long have you been into it? So... Um, I didn't watch it live while it was, um, aired on Fox. I actually came into it a little bit later, um, which I watched, I was watching Buffy. So it's kind of weird that I didn't immediately say I need to watch this Joss Whedon show. Yeah. You were watching Buffy live. Live. Like as it, as it was airing. So um, you heard about Firefly, I'm assuming, and just didn't get into it at first. Kind of, I guess... I don't know what it was. I was in high school when I was when Buffy was happening in 2002, so this was the same time. I guess I heard people talk about it, but it just didn't click for some reason that uh-huh. I needed to watch this right uh-huh. now. Like, I, it was just happening somewhere off in a different time stream for me or whatever, but uh, I, I caught one episode and it wasn't even the whole thing it was objects in space which is a much later episode than what Mm -hmm. we're talking about today but uh i saw probably the last 15 minutes of the show and i thought it was really interesting like what is this and i didn't realize because you know back in the day you don't have a tv guide you have no idea what you're watching Uh and uh (laughs) so i was like wow this this sci-fi show with people on a ship and there's like shenanigans happening and this is something I haven't seen before and I thought huh that's interesting but it didn't register for some reason and uh I don't know I just put it in the back of my mind like oh I'll go back and figure out what that was later and I didn't realize until many months later what it was Uh I was like oh that's the Joss Whedon sci-fi show I should have been watching (laughs) this whole time Uh, now it all makes sense um but I actually borrowed the dvds from a friend um like a year later maybe and binged the entire thing like Mm -hmm. i couldn't stop watching the show once i started yeah it was instant love 
and that was uh you saw it before serenity came out right yes yeah. um the, I, the film the, the the film that came after the television show yeah. and it's untimely demise we should say for anyone who doesn't know what the hell we're talking about um firefly <laughs> aired for 14 episodes on fox uh, not all 14 episodes aired that's true they though. made 14 episodes they, they aired 11 episodes and they weren't even in order right. so anyone who was watching it live was in for a bumpy ride which was part of why the ratings were so low because right. they the changed original, like time slots several times they yes. didn't advertise it very well it Fox very like totally advertised. shit the bed exactly. <laughs> with this great gem of a show that they had I know they had creators who had proven that they could hold an audience over many years and yeah. just immediately gave him, both of them, no support. Just right. like, okay, you're not an immediate hit. We're just going to cut Cancel it. Cancel you. You're, you're done. And there was this massive fan outcry. Yeah. So they took out a full page ad in the Times to, like, to, like, to plead with the producers of the show, like, Fox, please, we are watching. Please keep airing this show. Wow. Yeah. And it... Uh, it's so frustrating, but it got canceled and the fans went crazy. So then eventually yeah. they did make a movie called yes. Serenity yes. to kind of tie everything up. Yeah. So this was one of uh, the more uh, cultish uh, fan bases that actually had a success story for making it have a uh, comeback. Yeah. This type of thing is common now. I mean, mm-hmm. Fuller House, you right. know, Roseanne. With, we have with Netflix sitcoms, now. I guess. And, and, yeah, and, all these old sitcoms are coming back. Yeah. And there's actually been talk now of a Firefly reboot that I don't think will ever happen. Yeah. But at the time, it was kind of incredible that fans were able to convince a studio to bring a show back. Mm-hmm. It actually happened with Star Trek. I mean, Star Trek was canceled after three seasons, and then fans oh, really? went crazy, and that's why they made Star Trek the motion picture. Oh, the, there's the a original huge Star gap, Trek? though. Yeah, the original yeah, Star yeah. Trek. There's a big uh, gap in time. Uh, how many years was it after the cancellation of the show before the movie came out? It was a couple of years. Yeah. Um, the show was canceled in 2002. Okay. And the movie came out, I want to say, uh, 2004, 2005, maybe? Yeah, I don't it remember. Was, I think it was late 2004. Actually, well, here's a little thing that I brought with me, um, <laughs> and we can reference it. Yes, I, Jane brought goodies. I have so many goodies. I had to bring a suitcase because I couldn't <laughs> haul all my nerd gear by myself. It's pretty amazing. <clears throat> so uh, this is a copy of my advanced preview ticket. Uh, okay, it was a little bit later. Uh, it was June 23rd, 2005. This was the pre-screening, and... The actual movie came out to general audiences in September. Of 2005. Of 2005. Cool. And then, so the show, I mean, did all of it air in 2002 or did it cross 2001 also? No. um, So it aired September 20th, 2002, um, which... That's a story. They didn't show the pilot first. Right. They started with episode two. (laughs) They started with episode two, which is like a reboot of the pilot that yeah they joss, made joss like change the characterizations of some it, of the characters and yeah uh joss whedon and tim Minear, uh the creators of the show said wouldn't it be funny if we decided to write an episode over the course of a weekend sometime <laughs> and then after they made the pilot fox said okay this is this is kind of dark. This is not... We want something like, haha and like a rollicking good time. And can you yeah. just make a more likable? Yeah. Um, so they actually had to scramble, rewrite a brand new pilot in two days. And so um, 
their funny haha let's just write an episode in a weekend uh bit actually came to pass and that yeah. is what everyone saw as the first episode of firefly yeah the train job yeah it's and it seems like i mean the original the initial uh viewership was very low because people were confused mm. they didn't know what it was yeah uh, it, and not that many people tuned in right. <laughs> and then it got canceled like i'm i'm a big joss whedon follower i i loved buffy i was you know taping it every week so i could rewatch it and like yeah. go over details and i didn't even know about this until after it was already canceled basically yeah, me neither. so yeah so they didn't advertise it very well just the word was not out there it was on a totally different network than right. his other stuff right just it was really hard for people to know um unless you were on one of the forums which you know the <laughs> internet was not the burgeoning internet yeah it's it there, it was available back in 2002, but not as many people were, you know, following their favorite artists and finding out the nitty gritty of what was going on in new projects. <laughs> there was and no Twitter. Like there was no Twitter. This was, you know, pre-Facebook, pre-any yeah. of that stuff. And so the it was hard to get the word out. Yeah, and it's funny. Like, I'm a, I've always been a huge sci-fi nerd. This show is right up my alley. Mm-hmm. I had no idea it was ever on TV. Yeah. I had never heard of it. And <laughs> I saw a preview for the movie. That was the first thing I ever saw from this world was yeah. a preview on TV for Serenity. Universal did a good job of promoting it before yeah. the movie actually happened. You saw commercials. You saw trailers pop up. There were billboards. There were posters. But... Like, nothing for the show. Right. Which is unfortunate. Yeah, I saw the trailer for the movie, and I was super intrigued. I thought it looked really interesting, and mm-hmm. it got some, like, really good buzz. Yeah. So, I ended up talking to someone about the trailer. I'm like, that looks really cool. And they told me, oh, yeah, yeah, it's based off this TV show that was so great. I'm like, what? Yeah. What are you talking about? <laughs> tell me more. <laughs> yeah, tell me more. So, I, I, that's how I heard about the show. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I think... But I didn't go see the movie in the did theaters, you? but I did go to, I think, like, Barnes & Noble or something. I found Firefly, like, the DVD box okay. set on sale for, like, 15 bucks. So you watched the show first or the movie I did movie watch first? the show first, okay. yeah. Because so I, I know that a lot the, of people did it backwards. Where yeah. The movie was out there. They're like, oh, I like this. And then, right. then they went back and watched the show. Yeah. And luckily for me, like, one of those people told me to watch the show. <laughs> good, good. And they actually told me that that happened to them. I, I think it was my friend uh, Chris, if I'm remembering correctly, mm-hmm. who told me, he's like, yeah, I, I watched the movie first and then went back and watched the show and you really have to watch the show first. You should. It's, yeah, it you really should. It can be done the other way, but you'll enjoy it much more if you watch it. And yeah. My, my thoughts on that is that if you see the movie first, you're going to love the movie yeah. uh, more mm-hmm. than if you watch the show first. But if you watch the show first, you're gonna the show is going to be like the most precious thing to you. Yeah. So it's kind of worth it, yeah. <laughs> if it's that makes any like sense. It's kind of like the argument of um, books versus movies. It's kind of like right. whatever you do first is going to have that special place to you. Totally. And like m- have more meaning because it made you fall in love with the story. And then the other one's like supplementary. Yeah. Like I'm sure I would have liked the movie more if I had seen it first. Because yeah. I, I was slightly disappointed by the film because... Mm-hmm. I like the show is so precious to me yeah. and I love it so much. And I watched it several times. Yeah. No, that's not true. I watched it once and then watched the movie, but I've watched the show several times since then. I know the movie too. Yeah. I've watched a couple of times. You can, it's the great thing about Firefly is it's, you know, well over a decade later and yeah. it still holds It's so up. rewatchable. You can watch it. I've seen every episode dozens, if not, you know, like 50 times. <laughs> yeah. I've watched them. Like you, you put them on in the background, you fall asleep to them. You just, it's, it's life. Totally. Many, many years later. It's the only show that I've ever watched where I felt like, 
maybe maybe this is my favorite show over Star Trek The Next Generation, yes. which is my favorite show. Yeah. Uh, and I think that, I don't know, it's tough with Firefly because there's only 14 episodes. And it's yeah. hard to say this is my favorite show over Star Trek The Next Generation, which ran for seven seasons. Right. Because like, Star Trek had more of a chance to have more great episodes. Mm-hmm. But Firefly only has maybe one episode that I feel like is a little weak. Every other episode is great. Is and it, like is very bushwhacked? Uh, which one is no? It's uh, what's the, what's the? It's like the second to last episode. Uh, hard hard. No, uh, the message. The maybe? message. Yeah, I have a little <laughs> bit of trouble is, with that um, one. Uh, it's the last one they filmed, right? It's the very last one they filmed. Yeah. It's got some beautiful music. It does. Uh, and it's got one of Joss Whedon's hat tricks, which is funny. And right. One of his that, actors that, that he guy. likes to yeah. put in all his shows. Jonathan <laughs> Woodward, I think his name is. Um, that, that episode's a little schmaltzy for my taste. Yeah. it's And, and it kind of like bends character roles, like uh-huh. washes a complete spaz when he flies all of a sudden. What's, what's right. And he's like about? the Zen master he's, of flight. Exactly. So it, there's some some inconsistencies with that episode but yeah. we're mostly going to be talking about the pilot which yes. uh is the very first episode if you are watching on the dvds which if, you should which you should if you follow some sort of this is the uh order that they aired guide online don't do that that is wrong <laughs> don't yeah fox don't do was, that fox was wrong yeah i mean fox like fucked up yeah. you know like it's it's a pretty well known yeah. fact that fox fucked up with firefly they shot themselves in the foot yeah by airing them completely weird and the story was confusing and so is it any mystery that people weren't watching or right. tuning in the next week and if you no liked it and you came back the next week there was a good chance it was airing on a different day and time because was, they did that at least once yeah. during the run of 11 episodes that they actually aired Horrendous. so you, if yeah. you liked it you might not even <laughs> be able to find it the next time yeah. so they did a they, bad job they made it incredibly hard and then said oh where are the numbers well look at how you did this it's right. obviously no one's watching right but yeah, so Jane and I want everyone out there to watch Firefly. Yeah. And so we talked about this before we favor. started recording. We're going to try not Serenity. to spoil. The, uh, the very first pilot has the same name as the movie. It's Serenity. Parts one and two. It's actually a little bit longer. Make sure you watch that first. Yes. You're welcome. Yeah. And that's what we're going to talk about today is the pilot. And we're yeah. going to try not to drop any spoilers for what's coming later in the series. Yeah. I will do my best. And it's hard. I apologize. I'm so excited to be talking about Firefly finally that I, I might so squee and spill something. But I will, I'll try not to ruin it for anyone who's going to be convinced or thinking about watching the show. Um, we don't want to ruin any of the fun. So. Yeah. But we will spoil the fuck out of the pilot right now. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, just just do yourself a favor. Just watch it right now. Just we'll, we'll wait a second. Hit pause. Watch the show. Come back. Then we can talk. Yeah. If you hit pause, we will wait for you. We will. We'll be here. We'll be <laughs> if you don't hit pause, we're going to keep talking. Though. <laughs> okay. That's on you. Yeah. We're holding this valley no matter what. We're going to die. We're not going to die. We can't die, Bendis. You know why? Because we are so very pretty. We are just too pretty for God to let us die. Huh? Look at that chiseled jaw. Huh? Come on. Well, listen to me. Listen to that. Those are angels. Blow the alliance to the hot place. Joey, tell the 82nd. They're to- not coming. Command says it's too hot. They're pulling out. We're to lay down arms. 
Comas. Okay, so first episode of Firefly. Uh, it starts out with the Battle of Serenity Valley. Yes. Which is uh, a really crazy way to just be thrown into this world mm-hmm. where you're just in the middle of a battle and you don't know who's who and what's what and what's going on. Yeah, you can tell, okay, there is war happening. Who are these people? What's going on? Why are they fighting? I don't even... You can't even really tell at first that it's a sci-fi because it just looks like people yeah. with guns. They've got on this um, brown kind of thread-worn garb. They, they look like... Um, people from the South in the Civil War. Yeah, they, totally. They they were wearing whatever they could find. It's all homespun, kind of just found, like straps keeping their boots tied together, and <laughs> and and pieces of cloth uh, patched on wherever. Um, so you can tell that they don't necessarily have a lot of resources. Right yeah, that. yeah, that's that's totally so true. They do a really good job of kind of painting in the details that this is a this is kind of like the rebel band fighting yeah. against like, the big corporate empire exactly. you know like yeah. these this would be the rebellion in star wars yes uh and there's this amazing moment or there's a lot of amazing moments like right in the beginning but for me the one that really sticks sticks out is at the end of the sequence when uh malcolm reynolds is like looking off into these uh, ships that are coming down. He's expecting like his ships to show up, but it's yeah. the enemy ships, and they mm-hmm. just decimate the whole valley. Yeah, and the look on his face is like, "Oh my god, we've just lost the war." That's the moment when he's broken. He starts yeah. off in this first scene as upbeat, yeah, a man of faith. You see him kiss a cross That's that he's right. wearing around yeah. his neck. He talks about God's gonna save us. There's no way that he's gonna let us down. Our our troops are on the way. Things are looking up. You know, have yeah. a smile on your face. And then you see the despair and the just complete loss of everything he believed in, his right. people, his God. He That's the moment he breaks. Yeah. Everything turns on him. It's really, really good character building. I think, mm. I think maybe my favorite thing about this show is the character building, which yeah. is so well done. And mm-hmm. every character is introduced in such a great way and fleshed out so well mm-hmm. throughout the course of the show. I mean, all of the main cast, I think, were really, really well fleshed out. Mm-hmm. Every single character. Yeah, it really helps that the first episode is a little bit longer. Yeah. Um, and which is, this is part of why the TV show is so much richer than the movies because they take time right. with reaction shots right. and just establishing the set where you're um, panning around corners or you're going up and down ladders of this spaceship and you see the the space that they have to live in which is part of who the characters are yeah and it's it's something that joss had time for over the course of several episodes whereas in the movie he you know couple hours you have to cram everything in there real quick right totally um yeah i mean the character arc for mal in the first episode is so well crafted because he starts out you know as this military guy and Mm -hmm. a man of god and then you see him six years later and he's a uh 
a criminal, you know, who, know, who doesn't completely seem turned to, around. He's he's, he's doing very whatever pessimistic. He can yeah. <laughs> he's he's pretty dark. Like he yeah. doesn't believe in anyone. He's uh, very cynical and just does what he has to to survive. Just yeah. to keep flying. And he he takes advice, but he is not very good about it. Like he just kind of barks <laughs> out whatever is going to happen next and just expects yeah. people to go along. Yeah. And people fight him on it all the time and he mm-hmm. does change his mind, but he, yeah. he never in this episode at least you never see him change his mind outwardly. Like he never admits that he's wrong. He'll yeah. just do something different later and do the right thing later. Mm-hmm. Uh but he's totally he's totally like Dory from Finding Dory. <laughs> like just keep flying, you know? Yeah, exactly. That that's all he cares about. So um at the at the start of the show you see that he was on the losing side of a war. Yeah. And so then many years later he's doing whatever he has to to survive to have his own little piece of the sky. Yeah. Which is like they say in the in the theme song, like you can't take the sky from me. Yeah. Having this ship and his crew is the only thing that is keeping him together sane yeah it's it's all he has left now yeah like the whole galaxy is set up unfairly i mean Mm -hmm. i still like this really held up because i still resonate with this the fact that uh the system of control that the people of the galaxy have chosen to like govern themselves with is Mm -hmm. very is just corrupt and bad you know it doesn't look out for the little per- people, it doesn't look out for the people on the edges of, of known space. Right. Like you get out to the edges of the galaxy uh, and people are, you know, just thrown out there with, you know, no food and no protection, no blankets, like maybe, right. maybe a blanket if they're lucky. Yeah. And you have all these frontier worlds out at the edge of, you know, civilized space. That's just completely uncivilized because the, you know, the, the Alliance is not doing what it should to make sure that people have, good right. lives they they mostly care about the core planets which are you right. know very urbanized and have technology and um that's where most of the population is located but then there's these like rim planets out on the edge that have just been terraformed they just have settlers that have gone down um but they don't have the resources that they need so these people right. are really fighting every day just for survival and it's literally the old west it's literally <laughs> on the, the old there are space. horses and, like, and cowboy hats cowboy hats um point uh about hats though you'll notice in the pilot episode and throughout the show bad guys wear hats oh yeah, you'll like never. Badger. Badger was wearing a hat. Was a Patience was wearing That's, a hat. Yeah, Patience. Totally. Everybody on the Dortmunder, which was the uh, Alliance yeah. ship that we saw, was wearing a hat. Some of them little bellboy hats, which were pretty stupid. <laughs> <laughs> but if you see someone in a hat, uh, it's a pretty good tip off that they are not a good guy. Now that's yeah. not necessarily a bad thing. Our crew, our heroes, they're criminals. They're not right. necessarily good guys. But if someone's wearing a hat in this show. Look out. Probably bad. Look out. <laughs> yeah. And it's, I, so the Alliance is what they were fighting in the beginning. So this mm-hmm. thing that beat, you know, yeah. Mal and Zoe, because Zoe was there with him in the beginning also. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zoe's like his first officer, second in command, yeah. I guess. Yeah. First mate, first officer. First mate, she's, whatever you want to call her. Total badass. Yes. Yeah. His right hand uh, woman. Yeah. So they were on the losing side of this war, and now there's just nowhere they can go. I mean, you can't, mm-hmm. like, they, they everything can't really is controlled exist. by the Alliance. The Alliance right. won. So, um, this 
a, a good inspiration for the show uh, is a book called The Killer Angels mm-hmm. by Michael Shara. Joss had read this book, and it's about the Civil War. It's about the Battle of Gettysburg as told from the point of view of the Confederates, the, the guys in the South. And he's thought, what, what would happen if I told a story in the future of the losing side? Like oh, from their point That's of view. Cool. Yeah. Um, so it was a really big inspiration for the show and you really see it um, just pop up all the time. They reiterate like unification day and brown coats, which became the name of the fans eventually. Yeah. Um, y- you just see it driven in home and again. They were the losers. Yeah. They lost. They can't go anywhere without being reminded of the fact that the other guys won right and mal wears his brown coat all mm-hmm. the time yeah. like he it's a badge of honor to him it's a badge of honor and zoe usually has a brown vest on mm. um and you'll see her sometimes in flashbacks with with more brown on but yeah and it's interesting that like mal and zoe are the only two that fought in this war like the rest of the crew you know they they hooked yeah, up yeah not later. everyone i mean it, it was a big war throughout yeah. several star systems but it was the star war <laughs> it was the star war but uh not not everybody was a soldier. I mean, life right. goes on. People have to, you know, be teachers and right. preachers and mechanics and totally. like, life goes on. It's such a cool setup for a show, though, to have, like, the main characters be on the wrong side of the law. But mm. the law itself is, is not necessarily a good thing to be on the side of. Right. It might be lawful, but it's not necessarily good moral or yeah. good or yeah. the, the, the guys that you're rooting for. Like, they, our heroes are criminals, but we don't care. Right. It makes it like fun to be a criminal. Exactly. It makes you want to be one of these criminals. And the whole first episode revolves around them stealing this crate of what you think is gold, but it ends up being food. I love that. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. It's so great. They're like smuggling food to, uh, they're going to try to sell it to Badger, but they got like flagged by the Alliance. So then mm-hmm. they have to go to a, a rim world and they yeah. sell it to patients instead. Yeah. You see these bars that look like some kind of crazy like gold press latinum gold <laughs> from deep or, space nine. Yeah. Or some kind of crazy copper alloy. Like right. maybe they use on spaceships or whatever. And then you find out towards the end of the episode, it's a wrapper on like protein <laughs> bars. Basically yeah. it's got immunizations and supplements in there for settlers. Basically, to live out on these crazy terraformed worlds. Yeah, and they say that one of those bars can... Did they say feed a family of four for a week or a month? For a month. month. Which is crazy. I know. It's like... I, I can't even... It's like the size of, of like a gold cube from Fort Knox, you yeah, know? Yeah, like, like a bullion cube, you know, maybe 10 inches long or so and a couple inches deep. Yeah. But... It, they they pull it off the wrapper at the end. You're like, oh, I thought it was metal. I totally. thought it was some sort of ingot. And it tricked me <laughs> again because I haven't seen it in so long. Yeah. I totally forgot about yeah. that. It's a really good reveal. I, that's tricked me. I think every time I've seen this episode, which yeah. is at least three or four times. Yeah. <laughs> and it just goes to show you, like, their precious commodities aren't these crazy metals or anything. It's food. They need right. the basic necessities. They need water. They need food. They need livestock. You know, things that will help them live on these right. planets with nothing else. Which shows you, I mean, like real examples of why the Alliance is bad. Because if, right. if food is that precious... Right. And they're then... holding out. Like, why would you be mad about people feeding themselves? Yeah, totally. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. And it, it's so it's such a cool system of 
you know, broken government that this show mm -hmm. has built up. And yeah. then like on the far fringes of this, you also have the Reavers, which are, you know, we'll, we'll learn more about later, but yeah. as well, for the first episode, they much, just seem like, later. yeah, <laughs> very late. We'll learn more. Yeah. But for now, they just seem like psychopaths. Mm -hmm. They kind of refer to them as, you know, people on the edge of space who've lost their minds and turned savage. Yeah, that's, that's an important thing. Um, there are no... Uh, obvious aliens in Firefly. This is not a sci-fi show where you're going to see people in prosthetics, uh, well, for the most part, um, yeah. like, you know, crazy, uh, like, appendages or, or things <laughs> right. coming out. We're not like, going around the galaxy meeting about, other species. This is about humans uh, taking over other planets Yeah. Um, because Earth got used up. They, yeah. they mention it... Um, it's not something that you see on the DVDs, but if you ever watch like a marathon on sci-fi or w when it's shown on TV, uh, Hulu, I believe, shows it now, there's a little snippet at the beginning of each episode that says, Earth it was, or here's, yeah. here's how it is. And they'll give you a oh, little blurb. I've never seen that. And it'll say 2517 because it's, you know, it's 500 years in the future. Yeah. Um, or a little, a little less now, but uh, they give you an idea of what's happening because Fox said people have no idea what's going on. You need to give them 10 seconds of this is what we're doing. We do, <laughs> we're, we're smugglers. We do what we have to to survive. There are spaceships. There are also horses. It's a sci fi Western. Have fun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It's like the beginning of Quantum Leap. Yeah. <laughs> they so have to tell you the story. They have to the tell opening. you what's happening before they can start the show. I've never <laughs> seen that. It's, I, I hadn't seen it for a while I'll either because I, <laughs> I was like, I started by watching the DVDs and I watched it in the proper order. And I'm so thankful to my friend yeah. um, for having me watch them in the proper order. But they're not on the DVD. They're not even on the Blu-ray. You have good. to actually watch some sort of streaming service now or a television show where they're like, this is the complete package. Here's the little blurb at the beginning to tell you what's happening. Wow. After the Earth was used up, we found a new solar system and hundreds of new Earths were terraformed and colonized. The central planets formed the Alliance and decided all the planets had to join under their rule. There was some disagreement on that point. After the war, many of the independents who had fought and lost drifted to the edges of the system far from Alliance control. Out here, people struggled to get by with the most basic technologies. A ship would bring you work. A gun would help you keep it. A captain's goal was simple. Find a crew, find a job. Keep flying. I do I did notice on Hulu that they did have the pilot first, which is great. Like they didn't yeah. they don't have it in the wrong air order. Right, right. It's it's much easier now. Um people have learned the lesson finally after yeah. many years and <laughs> don't show it in the wrong order. Yeah. Or fans will get mad. Totally. Mm. Uh let's talk about some of the character introductions. Mm -hmm. So we we talked a little bit about Zoe and Mal. Um mm -hmm. my favorite character introduction is Wash. This is a fertile land and we will thrive. We will rule over all this land, and we will call it this land. I think we should call it your grave. Ah, curse your sudden but inevitable betrayal. Ah, ah, ah. Mine is an evil laugh. Now die! Ah, ah. 
Oh, no, God. Oh, dear God in heaven. Like, when you meet Wash and he's <laughs> doing his, like, little thing with the dinosaurs. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, curse your sudden but inevitable betrayal. It tells you everything you need to know about that character. I totally. Mean, you it, love him immediately. Yes. You're just, like, on he's his side. Like, he's in a Hawaiian shirt and he's playing <laughs> with little plastic dinosaurs and talking to himself. And, yeah. Like, action figures. And, and Alan Tudyk has long been one of my favorite actors. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even know he was in this show when I started watching it. Yeah. And then that scene came on like, holy fuck, they got Alan he's, Tudyk for this? He's been in so many things. He's one of the more uh, prolific actors that you see in this show. But, yeah. Uh, he did the motion capture for K2SO in Rogue I One. Know. And so he's the pilot he's so of good. of Serenity. And he he does some like specific motions with his hands every time he starts the ship. And he did that with the motion capture for K2SO. Oh, no. So like K2 actually does something that Wash did. Was it three flicks? Uh-huh. Yeah, that's that's his thing. like signature flick, 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 where he's yeah. turning like stuff on in the ship and fiddling with dials. <laughs> yeah. It's like his go-to move. Speaking of Wash flying, you pointed this out to me and it blew my mind. But <laughs> at the like... end of the first episode, there's a moment where he's like reaching his hand forward to hold mm-hmm. the, the steering wheel. Yeah. And he's not holding anything. His hands are just out in empty air. Like yeah. he's miming holding the, the wheel of the the ship so they had to get him into frame and so they had him wheel his chair back just a little bit right and then nobody (laughs) noticed at the time that oh you can see his hands too yeah like this show is defined by a lot of camera motion Mm -hmm. which i love and handheld style yeah like things going out of focus yeah lens flares even with the special effects shots Mm -hmm. which is so effective because the cg is is decent because mm-hmm. I mean, it's an all CG show. One of the, yeah. one of the first all CG shows that kind of pulled it off. Yeah. But they do like rack zooms and stuff with the CG, mm-hmm. and then they have handheld shots of like, you know, Mal running on like through the battle of uh, Serenity Valley and yeah. stuff blowing up in the background that is CG, but moving with the handheld mm-hmm. shots. This was a big deal. So it all back feels in the day. real, you yeah. know. We take Even it for like granted it now. It doesn't look real necessarily, but mm-hmm. it feels real, mm-hmm. and it's very effective. Yeah. I really love that. That's a huge. Um, philosophy of the show just wanted everything to look handheld and like found footage yeah um and you don't see that a whole lot in sci-fi because everything is crisp and clean and like clean cut corners and super sharp and this is kind of fuzzy and worn in and like yeah totally feels warmer yeah that speaking of that i love that Mm -hmm. and it makes me feel a little weird about some of the editing choices they did in in the pilot, mm-hmm. they kind of lose this for the rest of the series. But like stuff where they introduce Inara, yeah, uh, and they have her like giving herself a bath and like they pause for a second or during yeah. the love scene they pause for a second, yeah, the, and the, do still frames of these like pretty it shots goes fuzzy and unfocused and yeah, and then like there's just a beat uh, during the sponge bathing scene um, where like it's almost freeze frame but not quite. It's just like a like a skipped beat of a heart you're just like yeah what was that and it's really weird that's one of the only things about the pilot that i didn't care for Mm -hmm. just like some of the some of the editing choices that seemed to they were trying to to show you some sort of visual poetry and Mm -hmm. for me it just didn't quite work yeah how do you feel about that stuff um i well i love this is my baby i love it (laughs) i i have no complaints about the editing but sometimes um I mean, I'm just so used to it at this point that yeah. maybe if I was watching it with fresh eyes, I would say, oh, that's weird. At this point, I just, that that's how the show is. That's how the pilot is. That's how it's right. always been. What, what are you talking about? Right. <laughs> <laughs> I remember the first time I saw it being like a little off put by that shot. And mm-hmm. I have, you know, we just watched the pilot 
together and mm-hmm. I haven't seen it in it, I'm trying to remember the last time I watched through the show. It's been a little while. Yeah. So it's been at least four or five years, I'd say, since mm-hmm. I watched through this. It's nice to come back after a break. It's so it nice. Yeah. And like, I was, it was like coming home. It was so comforting. And that's what I, I love, love about this show. This show. So like you can, you can take a break, you can come back later and it still feels just as satisfying mm-hmm. years later. There's nothing worse than having fond memories of something and like nostalgia for a thing. And then you come back to it years later and it doesn't hold up and you feel right. kind of gross about it right. <laughs> after totally. rewatching it. Like, Oh my God, I hate oh, that feeling. Oh, I'm a little, a little ashamed now that I loved this so much <laughs> for most of my life. And now it's empty. Right. <laughs> but Firefly doesn't do that. It, no. it, it, it holds up for sure. Repeatedly. It, and it feels like, weirdly important to i don't know what it is about this show but yeah there's like a security blanket you there's all these moments there's all these moments that are so good that it just makes me want to say everybody look at this look how good this is exactly it just i, I don't even know how to describe that there's but. no shame in sharing this show we hope yeah. that <laughs> if you haven't seen this please please go watch it please watch it do it's it so good. you're gonna love it you're gonna love it so let's talk about anara she's a really really fascinating character yes she's a companion basically a you know, a prostitute, but yeah, a very so high class prostitute. Like, she's more like a geisha. Like, yes, more like a geisha. So, yeah. um, okay, so officially in the future, they they you kind of notice um, from the culture blending and the languages that all the people use, um, China is a big part of the future. Yeah, society. it's as if at some point China and the U.S. kind yeah, of I'm became sh- the two. M- you see it cultures. you see it definitely you see the flag in the train job which is the second pilot um, right or the first one they showed on tv um it's a blend of the u.s flag and the chinese flag so the two have merged into like a super government in the future and people speak english they speak chinese like they flip-flop back and forth and so you'll see a lot of this um so it's it's not japanese but she is more of like a like a geisha type character in society. Mm-hmm. It's accepted. It's fine. She's here to entertain, to, to keep people company. Um, but there's also the side of, yeah, you can pay her for sex. Right. So. <laughs> yeah. And it's, she's almost, <laughs> it's a the, service provided. It's like, she's almost like a dignitary, you know, yeah, like you have to go to a special school. It's respected though. It's, yeah. it, it requires it a lot of It's a of position education. of power in society. Exactly. And you'll see it, um, throughout the show where people look up to her. She mm-hmm. has such respect from strangers and awe. And all you have to do is say that she's a companion and you know that this is a woman of, uh, culture of education of power yeah yeah which is really cool yeah and and she's also like i mean marina baccarin who plays her is just brilliant she's so good i know she has the most poise mm-hmm. i mean more poise than i've ever seen a person have yeah fun fact um a lot of people know but uh she was actually the character of anara was recast right before they started shooting like like a day or two before they started oh, wow. shooting. Like, Who was playing her? Rebecca Gayhart. Oh my God, I did hear that. Yeah. Oh, I forgot about that. That would have been so strange. Yeah. Um, so she's a little bit more known as an actress. Right. But there was just no chemistry with the cast that they had. Yeah. Um, they tried shooting a few different scenes and there was just, there was nothing. It just was not working out. And yeah. so they recast her and uh, Morena was just like dropped in their laps it was it was perfect yeah (laughs) yeah she's 
Yeah, she's so fantastic. Mm-hmm. And she's, I, when they introduce her and you're in her shuttle, mm-hmm. um, and it's like full of all this drapery and it's all this sumptuous. There's all these stuff. reds and sumptuous golds. Sumptuous is a good word. Yeah. yeah. Everything is it's so textured and yeah. rich. And you see these like lamps hanging down. It's like being inside Jeannie's bottle, but totally but better. <laughs> yeah. But then yeah. she pulls back the curtains and walks into mm-hmm. the, the cockpit and yeah. you see like she's on a planet. You There's see that she's... stuff flying around outside. You yeah. see like the cityscape or whatever. Just a glimpse of it. Yeah. And it feels so real. It's like, oh my God, mm-hmm. look where she is. I had no idea she was there. Yeah. The way that they marry um, just the the different environments in in this. It's beautiful. There's grittiness but there's also beautiful uh just like velvet drapes next to control panels for (laughs) for a shuttle and next to like horses (laughs) next to um like uh flying cars or or like uh hovercraft yeah uh, next to laser guns next to actual old pistols with bullets like <laughs> yeah. it's all it's very married together and it's yeah it's an anachronistic and you see things that you don't think would be around anymore 500 years from now but people make do with what they can and yeah and that's not always going to be something that's high-tech and shiny and you know what i love about it is that and, and the reason it feels real to me is because these are the people who've been ignored by the government mm-hmm. like the government has shiny lasers and yeah. crazy weapons and mm-hmm. all that sort of futuristic stuff and hover cars and yeah. whatever you'll see that in certain places exactly like yeah, yeah. well and you, you get a glimpse of it in the battle in the very beginning mm-hmm. but uh but on the outskirts of space for the people who have nothing they're just gonna make guns you know right it's <laughs> because, easier to yeah, just and ride go. horses yeah if- if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Like, totally. It's, yeah, like this old West mentality kind of mm-hmm. comes back into, you know, sort of day-to-day use because it mm-hmm. just makes sense because yeah. they're in the wilderness, basically. Right? Yeah, cowboys and ranches and farmers just yeah. making do with what they can. Or, and that that feels it, real to me, you yeah, know? I, it, I feel like that's how it would happen. It really helps sell the whole premise of like terraforming planets and, and how would people live? You know, yeah. you get to see the daily grind. Totally. And yeah, it's it's so cool to see. I mean, I, I've read some stuff where Joss was talking about how he wanted to make something that was the antithesis of Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Uh, because in Star Trek, you're seeing, you know, this wonderful organization that is the center of human right. society that is like morally just. Mm-hmm. And in this, you see... Like people who are morally just but are forced to the outside of society and are forced to be criminals they have to, to maintain their morals, yeah. which is like really fascinating. Mm-hmm. And I, I was thinking about it on this, like when we just watched it, that Mal as a captain is such an interesting character because he can walk between all of the different worlds that he has to, mm-hmm. like really seamlessly. Like he can be a cold-blooded killer and he can he can control Jane who is a cold blooded killer right. and who's kind of psychotic yeah. uh, and you know, like the muscle of the ship, mm-hmm. but he can also, you know, uh, like negotiate with, mm-hmm. uh, with someone like patience. He can like talk to someone like Inara and, He's a great and have leader. like these great you and know he, interactions with any type of person. Yeah. And he looks out for his crew. You yeah. see like tender moments with Kaylee and like mm-hmm. he does what has to be done, but he's part of him is still, you know, a good guy who just wants to take care of his people. Yeah, totally. And there's a lot of like gruff exterior with mm-hmm. him. Yeah. That definitely. Puts on a good front. <laughs> yeah. He's very Han Solo-ish where mm-hmm. he, you know, has a heart of gold, but he 
really locks that down. Yeah. <laughs> and you, it does kind of open up throughout the show. And throughout this episode, like you see him by the end of the episode, mm-hmm. he's smiling just because they're still flying, you know, because yeah. he's totally dory. That's, <laughs> he is totally dory. Yeah. As long as he's still flying. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we haven't talked about Kaylee at all. Um, there's several characters we haven't talked about yet, but oh, Kaylee is yeah. like oh. kind of the heart of the ship, I think. Yeah. Um, or the heart of the show. Joss Whedon has a really good knack for writing a character that is so, not necessarily innocent, but um, just trusting and vulnerable, and you just want to protect them. You just want to reach out and, like, shield them from the ways of the world. <laughs> and at the same time, you you believe their judgment calls implicitly. Like, if this person says you are a good man, I believe you. So when Kaylee mm, says, totally. I love my captain, he's a good man. You believe her. You know, like, I don't care what he's, I, he's loading up stolen goods right now. And, right. Like, we don't know what he's been doing for six years after he lost the war, but she says he's a good man and I instantly believe it. Totally. And yeah. it, it's so interesting because he's being such a dick yeah. around all of that. Mm-hmm. If if she wasn't there, you would think that he was a horrible person. It, it would be a harder sell. Like yeah. the audience may not be along for the ride, but right. Kaylee just instantly, like you believe whatever she says. And the way that Mal looks at her when she's, you know, like in the hospital bed after she gets shot, the way mm-hmm. that he looks at her and you see how much he cares about mm-hmm. her yeah uh you can get just, a glimpse of the man that she's talking about uh, like yeah. through through the way that he is looking at her it's really cool yeah it's a great dynamic that each character has with everyone else on the ship totally. but speaking of kaylee being injured and and people looking at her there is a moment where uh simon is doing surgery and you can see from the outside of the infirmary, Jane is yes. hunkered down like yes, on this yes, little yes, catwalk. Yes. I and love he's that. like he's like biting his fingernails and he's this tough mercenary who's just on the edge of his seat because his fellow crew member, which he like makes fun of a few minutes earlier, he is so worried about her and you know instantly, oh, this is a family. Like these totally. guys these guys actually care about each other. Yeah, the the sense of family is is like so powerful. Mm-hmm. And I've I've had dreams where I like found myself on Serenity <sighs> and just so wanted nice. to be accepted by the crew and just yeah. like hoping that that Mal would, you know, invite me to stay. <laughs> like uh. that that just that's why it felt like coming home because mm-hmm. it's like your family lives there. Yeah. And I mean the ship itself is you know incredible like the ship is like the 10th character totally got its own personality you'll notice in each room there's like a different color scheme so um like when you're in the engine room it's warm earthy tones because kaylee's a warm person Mm -hmm. some of the um like other areas are cold and blue because uh, the captain's cut off or it's like where simon spends most of his time like near the infirmary right you'll you'll just see um yeah themes throughout the ship and the mess hall has like flowers drawn around it and you just know that kaylee did you know kaylee was in there and like you don't need to be told yeah and the fact that uh that kaylee drew those flowers and then mal let them stay yeah tells you so much about him because it's his ship and he's so picky about it he's very territorial about the ship this Uh is like the last thing that he has left in life this is his last corner of the verse it's and, like, it's the only thing holding him sane. Like yeah. one place where things are how he thinks they should be. Exactly. His last bastion. Yeah. And he lets, you know, he lets his crew live there. Like that's, that's their home. 
Yeah. You can tell it's very lived in. Which is why it's such a big deal in the end when he invites Simon and River to stay. It is a huge deal. Yeah. Um, it's like, I know we just met, but do you want to move in? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Maybe we're moving too fast, yeah. but yeah. It, but I got he, a good feeling about you. He he sees something of value in Simon and maybe he doesn't necessarily like him, but he respects the skill and he knows that that's something that will help his crew survive. Totally. So he brings him into the fold. Yeah. Uh, the, the scene where Kaylee meets Shepard book is for me, that's like the moment where I got the best sense of who she was Mm -hmm. because like, the little parasol. The parasol. Like, like she's on a, like a fucking uh, just talking to a like, random dude lounge at the chair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like she's at the beach, yep. and it's this like gross dock. It's so dirty, mm-hmm. and then they cut over to her, and she's just this pop of color and yeah. joy and like brightness and innocence. Nothing gets Kaylee down. Yeah, and it's it's so cool. It's like such a such a great uh, juxtaposition, her mm-hmm. against the rest of that world. Yeah. Uh, and they really fake it out like they're going to kill her in the first episode. I mean, the yeah, first time. Yeah, you have no idea. Like, Yeah, they uh, really trick you the what, first time you see it. What could happen? And it's, <laughs> there is a joke that Mal plays on Simon, which was the very first day that they shot, they were filming, um, <laughs> up on this catwalk. And it's after Kaylee's been shot. Uh, Simon did surgery on her to get all the bullet shrapnel out. And, and we think oh my God, we saw her hand go limp in the previous shot. Yeah. And Mal says she's dead. And your heart just stops for a second and you feel how Simon looks. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Just, oh no, how did this happen? What, she's dead? We just saw, we just met her. Like, how is she dead? Uh, And it's, it's really just... He's just fucking with him. So mean. (laughs) And when they cut to the crew on the bridge just like laughing laughing it's so funny it's, it's so fun so good it's terrible but you can't help laughing with them and, and he's it like i'm you a ready. bad man yeah uh, and he so says good. that about himself a couple times i mean mm-hmm. he is kind of a bad man he walks some very dubious lines yeah he he, he dabbles in the dark side but. yeah but at the same time you know when when Simon asks him, how do, how do I know you won't kill me in my sleep? He says, mm-hmm. if I ever kill you, yeah. uh, you'll be facing me and you'll, you'll be, be armed. awake. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah totally. And yeah, so you know he has a code. Yeah. He's, he's a ruffian, but with a code that he follows, even if it doesn't necessarily line up with... Uh, the law. The law. And Jane, Lovely. on the other hand, uh, not you, but... Yeah. Oh, yeah. My, <laughs> my Cobb, name is, that is Jane. It's spelled the same way. And Oh, yeah. my God. Oh, I was oh, supposed yeah. to... You brought okay. Jane hats. I nice forgot about segue. this. Nice segue. That was awesome. Uh, so I have Jane hats for us yeah. to wear. We're supposed to be doing this. So that one I bought online. So it's a little right bit nicer quality. Over and my this headphones. One, <laughs> that looks amazing. And this one I made. Oh my um, God. I made my own Jane hat um, because it's me. It's, it's a me hat. That's awesome. Yeah. It's spelled just like, uh, just like the man. I'm Hero absolutely going to need a picture of us wearing these. Oh, yeah, yeah. That'll, like, absolutely. That'll happen. <laughs> yeah. Um, we were just... So, yeah, Jane. Oh, I so mean, Jane. Yeah. I, I, like, Jane's characterization, I feel like, really happens towards the end of the episode. He's mm-hmm. just kind of like your standard brute throughout most yeah, of it. Yeah, he's the muscle. Yeah. But then towards the end, he has that scene with, with Mal where... He says, like, why didn't you turn on me? He says the money wasn't good enough. Mm, but you know like, what it's happens. not. Totally. Dobson yeah. actually said, 
I would give you enough money or if we turn her in, the reward is enough for you to buy a ship better than this one. Yeah. So that's not a small chunk of change. And yet right. it's not enough to turn him against Mal. Yeah. So, totally. you know, that he deep, deep down, he has a code too. <laughs> yeah. I, I always question what's driving him because mm-hmm. I think that there is a need to be liked and a need to be a part of the family yeah. on Serenity. I mm-hmm. think that's definitely there. Yeah. But I think that there's also this like conflicting uh, need to do whatever's best for him in any given moment. And that those things might be at yeah, he's odds. A, he's a, a mercenary. He's yeah, used he's to looking out for number totally one. Totally a mercenary. Yeah. And it seems like there's, and we're totally just sitting here having a conversation now in Jane hats, <laughs> just so everybody knows. And it's if you like, haven't seen the rest of the show, you'll understand what this is you'll, later on. You'll know what they are. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, it's I. He reminds me of like a rabid dog, kind of. Like he's just <laughs> this bit. animal that yeah. that Mal seems to have a way with. Yeah. Like when they have that dinner together, when they first take on the passengers, and mm-hmm. uh, Jane says something that Mal doesn't like, and he's, he says, "Like walk away from this table right now," and yeah. Jane does it. He's got it's, a bit of a mouth on him. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah, it's the type of guy who you never know if he's gonna stab you in the back. You know. Yeah, exactly. Um, but he's good muscle. He's he's great muscle and entertaining. You'll always notice that Adam Baldwin, uh, the actor that plays him, is touching stuff. It's oh. it's something that he really infused in the character where he'll just be like fiddling with coins or like touching people or like like <laughs> scrubbing on so- yeah <laughs> scrubbing on something or like sniffing things and putting them up in his face. Like he's very tactile and wants yeah. to get his hands on stuff i have to look for that i've definitely noticed that with his weapons mm-hmm. like he's always he's like always fiddling fingering with his weapons yeah but yeah that's really mm-hmm. really cool I, and he he's a character that i i love and hate which i think is intentional yeah which i really like to, you're not 100 percent supposed to be on board with him because he very clearly does some things that are not right he just wants he's <laughs> he's, he's he's like wharf with no honor like he just wants to kill everything <laughs> yeah he's very gleeful about um getting a chance to torture people um right. or when someone gets shot in the face he's a, he's got a huge grin he does like, he loves that yeah you know when the lawman is killed he looks yeah. so happy he's gleeful <laughs> he's like, that finally that someone shot somebody yeah. and killed them yeah. i'm so happy it's... he's so disturbing but mm-hmm. at the same time like there's this there's also this like loyal dog mm-hmm. there like he's like a rabid dog who's very loyal to Mal, right? Which it's so it's so it's so well written. It's like such an interesting characterization. Yeah, for just this very first episode, it's it's almost self contained. Like you get the entire story totally right there. Like if if you didn't get any of the other episodes, you have everything you need to know about these people. Yeah, of course, the rest of the show is amazing. Go watch it. Absolutely. But, uh, yeah, we'll be there with you later. But it, but yeah, the it, arc it's, it's is all brilliant you need, in the really. first episode. It's mm-hmm. very satisfying. It's very mm-hmm. well written. It's a little bit of a, a slow burn with the character reveals, mm-hmm. which I love. I mean, spending, but it makes it more satisfying. Absolutely. Really. Like yeah. spending a two part episode getting to learn who these people are mm-hmm. and then going out for the rest of the season on adventures with them. Yeah. So effective. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm all about it. I love it. You're gonna come with us. Excuse me? You like ships. You don't seem to be looking at the destinations. 
What you care about is the ships, and mine's the nicest. She don't look like much. Oh, she'll fool you. You were sailing a firefly? Long before you were crawling. Not not three, though. Didn't have the extenders. Tended to shake. So, uh, how come you don't care where you're going? Because how you get there is the worthier part. Are you a missionary? I guess. I'm a shepherd from the South Down Abbey. Book. I'm called Book. Been out of the world for a spell. Like to walk it a while. Maybe bring the word to them as needed told. Well, I'm Kaylee. And this here's Serenity. And she's the smoothest ride from here to Boros for anyone can pay. Can you pay or? Well. I got a little cash, and, uh... Ooh. Grandpa. I never married. So you know up front that he's not telling you his entire story. He shows up, right. he says, call me Book, <laughs> are some of the first words that he says to Kaylee. Not, hi, my name is Book call me book and then when there's a tussle in the cargo bay and dobson is he's just shot kaylee who's the first person to take him down it's book yeah who's the first person to grab a gun yeah he goes in grabs the gun and knocks the this federal agent out yeah with his bare hands so you're like wait a minute that's very unpreacherly it's like not something that a priest would do um and then you see later uh, when they're getting away from the Reavers, he thinks that he can help Kaylee in the engine room. Right. So he's got uh, engineering skills. He's got hand-to-hand combat. He's got a past that we're not 100%. He says uh, when when he's talking to Mal, um, Mal says, you're a shepherd. And he says, I thought the outfit gave it away. He doesn't say yes. Hmm. He says, I thought the outfit gave it away. Yeah. Like, well, he's, is, is he actually who he says he is? He's definitely got something going on. And for most of the show, that's a mystery. Like, we'll get little snippets here and there. Um, but you don't really find out. You definitely don't find out what's going on in the pilot, just that there's something going on. Right, totally. I remember episode three is where they kind of deepen that a little bit, which I won't say anything about right now, but... Right, yeah. But they, yeah, they plant all of that they plant in the a pilot, lot for of sure. seeds, and I brought with me today... Um, so the show was canceled. We are very sad about that. Um, we are still... It's still too soon for that to be okay. Still too soon. Totally. Um, we got a movie, and that was nice. That gave us some closure, but it still wasn't enough. There are some comics... Um, they give us a little bit of backstory, and I'm holding in my hands right here The Shepherd's Tale, which is actually uh, Serenity, volume number three. Um, this is his backstory. So, I've read the first two Serenity volumes. I did not read the third one. Mm-hmm. I I was nervous because the mystery of his character is nice. so great. They do it so I, well. I wasn't sure I wanted his backstory. Yeah. Um, is it worth reading, do you think? It was written by Zach Whedon, who is okay. Joss Whedon's little brother, okay. and I like it. Um, you might, I, I mean, I would have been okay if they had never explained it, because just 
the mystery was wonderful. The intrigue, right? The, like the feminine mystique almost of mm. this character that yeah. just had a little something going on beneath the surface. Um, I still like it though. It starts off uh, with uh, Shepard book is with the crew. They're doing a thing. And then it starts working its way and steps back throughout his life. Oh, cool. So you're, I'll probably read you're it. reading a story <laughs> and then bam, it's like six years previously. Bam, 10 okay. years previously. Bam, another five years previously. That's cool. So, um, so I it like it. It fills in some of the pieces. It fills in some of the pieces. I feel like there could have been a lot more, um, but I'm satisfied nice. with, with how they filled that in. Cool. I'll probably check it out. Okay. We should we should maybe maybe we'll do an episode about the comics after we're done with the show. Yeah, they're they're really good. <laughs> yeah, the plan is to do it, every episode of the show helps. and then do a sci-fi on trial for the movie Serenity. Oh. Yeah. Which I'm very excited about. Yeah. I'm I'm conflicted because it was everything that we were waiting for and like it, it happened. It was this miracle, this impossible thing. Right. Um so I don't know, uh, but there are definitely parts of the movie that are something I could take down, like yeah, like opening scene and stuff. But yeah, totally. We were talking about that while we were watching this. Mm-hmm. We're getting off topic yeah. here. Oh, we'll yeah, okay. we'll talk about this stuff yeah. eventually. <laughs> um, yeah, Shepherd Book is so interesting because mm-hmm. you can tell there's something going on beneath the surface, but mm-hmm. at the same time, he also really seems like he is indeed a holy man. You yeah, know, whatever that he may has faith. mean. Yeah, he. He's definitely a man of God. He is. Yeah. He is a shepherd now. Mm-hmm. You know, like whatever whether, he was before. Right. Totally. <laughs> but I mean, and I have no idea. Like I don't know. Because well, the theme him- of the show is the idea that like society might be broken and mm-hmm. that you have to make your own way in this mm-hmm. universe. Yeah. Uh, in that way, I think of him as a shepherd unquestionably because like he's walking around with a Bible. He's on this ship with this crew that are all morally questionable and he's right. trying to be their moral center and mm-hmm. bring some sort of the sense of the holy to them yeah so in that way he is functioning as a shepherd but like but does that mean that he comes from any church that we know of or like has it's been a man of god his whole life we have no kind idea of fuzzy you know? in the future i mean he's holding a holy bible which is like okay we we have a pretty good idea of the root of his religion but they never really specify what it is that he's preaching like it could have it could have morphed over hundreds of years into something slightly different than the christianity that we know today yeah i think it's implied it's implied that it's some sort of christianity Mm -hmm. but not specifically it's just the feeling that i get from it yeah well Uh, i mean you get it from the bible but yeah i guess there you go (laughs) from some quotes like he'll, he'll throw out a couple of quotes but um it's it's obviously a little bit different in the future. And the funny thing is, Ron Glass, um, R.I.P. Ron Glass, oh, yeah. is uh, no longer with us. But he was a Buddhist in real life. Uh-huh. And he was playing something that was not necessarily Buddhist, but not necessarily Christian. Right. So, not a little bit of a spin on it. <laughs> yeah, not necessarily not Buddhist. Because, yeah. you know, there's a lot of uh, the melding of cultures. And, um, you know, he... he put his own little flair into it, which I really appreciated. Yeah. It's nice to have a character in the main cast who can be a sort of moral barometer because mm-hmm. the morality of the show is all over the place. Yeah. But then it's so interesting because like, but at the same it, time, because he his flipped. past seems like he might have done immoral things and we just don't know. Yeah. He, he clearly feels bad about it and he seems to be atoning because he is, 
you know, a man of God now, but at the same time, he has no problem knocking a dude out and doing what he needs to do to A, survive and to, you know, B, protect his flock. Yeah, the I love his speech at the end of the episode where he says, I've been out of the Abbey for two days. Mm-hmm. Uh, something about seeing a man shot and killed that he was sworn to protect and not even being sure if it was wrong. Yeah. I love that speech. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, the, the, the amount of moral complexity is kind of astonishing. It's lovely. Like, that's, that's the story that people want to see. We don't want... Um, you know, a, a strong and tough hero who, when the chips are down, is also strong and tough. Like, yeah. we want to see people having problems and facing moral dilemmas and, like, maybe they had a philosophy, but then when they're faced with the reality of it, have to make a really hard choice and maybe they have to go against what they believed before yeah. because it's the right thing to do. Right. And and Mal seems to be the one with the strongest sense of what is right and wrong in a gray world Mm -hmm. because he's like a gray character. It's a very great. He would be a gray Jedi. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And, and everyone seems to flock to him because of that. And Mm -hmm. maybe like, that's what holds this sense of family together is having someone at the center of that family who, who has a sense of how to navigate this world when the world is broken. Yeah. I've heard it the opposite way, actually. Oh, really? Mal is, the broken character who is missing portions of himself. Hmm. And so he draws people in that are, that represent what he is missing. Like Kaylee is his sense of um, optimism. Uh, Book is his sense of faith. Um, Like he, these pieces of him that are dead in his eyes, he finds people who represent that and he keeps them near. Interesting. I I buy that also. (laughs) They are kind of opposite, but both seem to work in my head, which yeah. is fine, because I'm crazy. Um, <laughs> yeah. So who haven't we talked about yet? Uh, we haven't talked oh, about Simon and River Simon yet. Simon and River. Yeah. yeah. And they're the last of the main cast to be introduced. Mm-hmm. Simon with his like creepy red circular glasses. Yeah, you'll find out what those are in the comics. Oh, cool. Yeah. I, if, I've read the first two, but I've forgotten them. It was so long ago. Yeah, I, I read the first couple a long time ago, and then I've been rereading them lately, and they're yeah. great. I can't find my copies of the first two, so if I lend them to you, please give them back to me, people uh, yeah. out in the world. <laughs> people on the interwebs. Yeah, if you're listening um, to this and I lent you a comic book, give those, it back. Those Left Behind is number one. Yeah, so I remember this. If, I remember the cover very If you have Jesse's well. copy, please bring it home. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, these books are so pretty. Yeah, uh, yeah so Simon... Uh, uh, what's uh, what's his name? The uh, actor's name? Oh, uh, Sean Mar. Sean Mar, yeah. No. Um, Meyer, Mayor, Mar, Mar, Sean Mar, Mayer, Mar, Mar, Sean Mar, Mar. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, he does such a good job of of presenting himself as a pretentious rich kid. Immediately, he does it really well. Immediately, just the way he walks and like carries his clothes. He's I so know. pretentious. He's it's great. such an entitled little rich kid that's yeah. never had like, he's wearing the, these pristine clothes. That, like you're going to get cow poop on your boots. <laughs> you're going to get mud on your white sleeves. What are you wearing that out in the middle of nowhere? Yeah. Um, yeah. He does it incredibly well. Yeah, totally. You get a very strong sense of where he's come from. Mm-hmm. And when he has that speech where he tells the whole crew in the mess hall, like, uh, I was a doctor. I was. Yeah. I'm super smart. But I'm a nothing, genius. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> nothing compared to my sister. And like yeah. gives the backstory of River a little bit. How mm-hmm. she was taken when she was 14. Yeah. Well, not taken, but she right went to this she program was... when she was 14, and they kind of abducted her and 
experimented on her. Yeah, she was uh, told a tale to join this special academy, which was mm-hmm. not what it seemed. Dun, dun, right, dun. right. Uh, he does such a good job of of conveying the sadness of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I love that by the end of the episode, um, Mal has seen his value as a person. You yeah. Know? Because he seems so shallow and he's he's kind of set up to look like the bad guy right well he's introduced with like like dun, dun, foreboding dun, dun, music. Yeah, the <laughs> actual foreboding like oh this is a villain music like yeah they really play it heavy at first like this is the guy that's gonna sell out the crew totally look out for this dude yeah and they they trick you with that yeah. even in the middle and you really expect it to be him anyway yeah but he comes on with this cargo and the cargo ends up being his sister like mm-hmm. naked in cryo sleep right and this is such a huge part of who he is as a character that he's like River is his world. Like yeah. he's a big brother, and his sole purpose is to make sure that she's okay. Like to yeah. look out for her, and everything that he does is for her. It's such a selfless kind of love right. that everyone thought, oh, maybe he's got a like sex bot in a box or something. And it turns right. out it's his sister that he's just trying to protect. Yeah, I. It's so weird that she's naked because it's I, a little. Yeah, it's a little weird when you yeah, first meet her. Oh, <laughs> I'm just imagining. He had to like, I guess, well, well in this version sleep, of the story, think, it's so. like implied that he did not pack her up, that he like hired people to to get her out. Yeah, the story is, that he tells is that yeah. he paid some people who were on the inside of this special academy to, get to her smuggle out. her out. Yeah. And so he met a box on Persephone and the right. first time that he sees, first time we see River is the first time he sees her in years. Right. And not I'm ignoring the movie yeah. <laughs> because it's wrong. Uh, that's that's like how it's presented. So he didn't necessarily like take her clothes off and pack her in a box. Right, that that's was awkward. not that he, he had nothing to do with that. But I just feel like they say it's a, a cryo sleep, so I figure it has something to do with like clothes will interfere with whatever. Yeah, I can't think of any reason why they couldn't have put her in clothes. It's oh, not like no. she's traveling through time in a bubble like in Terminator and all yeah. inorganic matter is going to be destroyed. Like a, or like a back to tank where it's like... You, but you I wore guess a diaper have, in the back yeah, to tank. Yeah, I guess yeah. you can have clothes in there, but like... Yeah. I don't know. Reasons. Sciencey reasons that we don't know about because we yeah. live in the past. <laughs> there, there's that and then there's the, the sponge bathing scene that I... Those two things felt a little unnecessary to me. Well... The, there was a reason behind the sponge bathing scene. Um, she had been insulted several times. Like, people had degraded her character, and so she was physically washing herself clean of all mm, that. Of yeah. like, Kind of like yoga, like, um, finding her center, yeah. and she's just, like, sloughing off the insults. Yeah. Like it's, I guess just, just the way it was edited felt a little literally. Agree, like weird to me. Yeah, and that was that was the third time they had to shoot that. Unfortunately, there was some right. Um, there was like a focusing issue, right? Yeah, I read like, about that forever ago. Yeah, uh, David Boyd does a really amazing job with the lighting in the show. Oh, no it's, kidding! Oh it's my god, so beautiful. Um, but apparently, there was like a soft focus um, the uh-huh. first time around they did it, and Joss said it looked like a Calgon commercial, so they had to reshoot. <laughs> yeah, it like it veers on like pornographic Almost. style I mean, of she's... shooting as it is. If it was a softer focus, it would have been a joke. Yeah, you know? it, it just takes you out of it and yeah. you think it's super distracting. And and it goes against everything else in the show, which is hard, gritty, right. wobbly. Like, there's no steady cam footage here. <laughs> no. Or the guys that are holding the steady cam have to 
physically shake it. Yeah. Like it's it's all very found footage. And yeah. so that would have completely gone against the look of the show. But you're right about the lighting. I mean we talked about that a couple times during mm-hmm. the show. Yeah. There's my favorite my favorite lighting effect. And I, I've never said that before, but my favorite <laughs> lighting effect in the episode is when they're in uh Badger's We'll call it a den because <laughs> yeah, he's a, a badger. Yeah, it's uh, a badger's den. Uh, when like a ship flies by overhead oh, yeah. and a light goes from one side of the room like, to the other, like grating or something uh-huh, above and it's grating it. above them. Yeah. Oh, it's so cool, and it's, it's like sexy lighting. It just tells you a ship just flew by, and you mm-hmm. hear the sound. Yeah, you, you know that they're near it. the docks. It's, it's there. Like yeah. they made that ship real in mm-hmm. a way that CG can't. Yeah. What I I love that type of attention to detail. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you'll see little things like that throughout the show, and yeah. it's delicious. Totally. Okay. So Simon is a doctor. Oh, and Simon's a doctor. you He's reminded a smart, me of uh, smart rich kid. The, the way you were talking about how Simon is like attached to River, mm-hmm. I feel like his his need to save people uh, is a part of that same sort of character trait. The way that he is just so protective of River. Yeah, he's so protective of like all life. It's his job to like he says, "I don't kill people." Yeah, like, that is that is Simon right there. Yeah, I don't kill people. He it's his job to save and to uphold life. Yeah, yeah, and I mean it's. I guess that's sort of a trope with doctors, but mm. but they totally it, it they totally make it work with yeah. this character. And God, his performance is great. You feel mm-hmm. his emotion, mm-hmm. and I I think that uh, as a teenager when I watched this for the first time, well, let's see, the movie came out in two thousand five, mm-hmm. so I must have seen this show for the first time probably around two thousand five or two thousand six. Okay. Uh, and then watched the movie after it came out on DVD. So let's see, what year is it now? Two thousand eighteen. Eighteen, I know. So it was like. 10 to 12 years ago, and I am 33, so very early 20s is when I saw this for the first time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, at that point in my life, I really identified with Simon, because he was like the one who's like, got this very strong moral code against the killing that was yeah. going on. He's the he's the young kid who's been thrown in with this band of brigands, and yeah. he's kind of seeing all of this for the first time. Like He doesn't know what Reavers are. He's never been yeah, out of the core stories, planets. He's, totally. yeah, he thinks all of this terraforming business is wacky. And <laughs> like, where's my dry cleaning? Yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah. yeah, and it's so funny. Now I identify much more with, I, I guess, Mal, because mm-hmm. Mal is this person who's seen that like the system of society that everyone else is living in is broken and yeah. he wants to be outside of it. And that's yeah. how I feel. Like mm-hmm. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to like be a part of the, you know, I, I just don't like money. <laughs> like I need I money and I want it, but I yeah. don't want to do something I hate all day, every day for money. It like that it... feels like a waste of a life to me. Right. Like I want to love what I do with my day. And mm-hmm. I feel like, yeah. Uh, I mean, that's why I'm working so hard to pursue my creative goals, because if I could be a content creator full time, that'd be incredible. Right. Uh, and to me, that's like my version of of having my own ship and flying off and just got to keep flying, you know? Ah, yeah. Uh, so I really, th- this viewing, I really identified with, with that aspect of Mal's character. Right. Like you said earlier, um, with like, this is the antithesis of Star Trek. Like, that was like what can society be when we move past money? Right. And like everyone has a purpose for the betterment of society. This is all about, I need money to feed myself and put gas in my ship. Right. Like I will do whatever I need to do to get the coin to make sure I can keep flying another day. Yeah. And you know, the, after the first sequence with the battle of Serenity Valley, when we see Mal Mm -hmm. again, he mentions money like 
every couple of minutes. Yeah. He's like, it we, is we gotta get paid. always on his mind. Totally. Like, it's they all are he's on the edge about. of starvation if they don't get the next job. Yeah. So it and is it's a, his responsibility like, as the captain to make sure that these people are protected. Yeah. And you don't get a sense of that. You get a sense of him being greedy at first, but it's not, it's not, it's not greed. about that. No, it's not about that at all. It's like this is it's about providing his responsibility for his to provide. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like these are his people and mm-hmm. he has to do right by them. Yeah. Like that's part of his code. And if he fails at that, then he's failing at everything. Uh, it's very fucking cool. I know. Such rich characters. Totally. And then River. We So River, yeah. Yeah, we gotta talk about River. So we don't see much of her yeah. in the pilot. Um, yeah. her well, big intro except is, for her except for all naked. of her, we <laughs> yeah. see pretty much everything. Um but <laughs> yeah, so her her intro is just basically screaming and crying. Like she's hysterical. She doesn't know what's going on. She wakes up from this sleep that she wasn't supposed to wake up from for who knows how long, days, weeks, maybe. Yeah. And everything is very jarring for her. She's got like cryo sleep sickness. She's a little out of it. She's clearly had some things happen to her head. Cause she talks kind of in gibberish. Right. Uh, she's scared of the infirmary. So we know <laughs> that she doesn't like hospitals. Right. Um, so She's broken. Like, she's another broken character on totally. this ship of broken people. Yeah. But um, we see that she, through everything, still has a deep love for her brother. Like, right. he is the foundation when she is cast adrift and she has no idea, like, even who she is. She knows Simon and she knows that Simon's going to look out for her. Yeah, totally. Yeah, you know, you really don't get much of a sense of who she is in this episode, mm-hmm. besides the fact that she she is almost like the MacGuffin of the story. There's a girl in a box, a you know? Yeah, yeah, that's like yeah. this huge reveal. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess she is the last main character to be introduced, because she's in a box for most of the time. For most of the show. Uh, yeah, and besides like speaking in a little bit of gibberish and not necessarily being altogether there and having had some sort of... Uh, you know, work done to her brain that mm-hmm. the Alliance finds valuable. We don't know much about yeah, her Yeah, we find out through, like, an aside from Jane after almost torturing this guy that the Alliance is after her for her brain. Right, So that's right, all right, right. you know. Yeah. but Is it because she's super smart? The unfolding of her character throughout the course of the show is fantastic. Mm-hmm. And I can't wait to talk about that when we get to it. Yeah. And you know what? So we talked a little bit about Wash and Zoe, but we haven't talked about them as a couple. As a couple. Yeah. So Fucking power couple of space. Woo! Wash and Zoe. Yeah. Um, the executives um, at Fox really pushed back on this because they wanted to be able to have the usual drama of, oh, this is my boyfriend. Uh, maybe I'm going to have... Uh, a fling with somebody off world. Maybe Mm. there's going to be sexual tension between her and the captain. Right. Um, And Joss said, no, it is very important. Like, I will walk away from this if you don't let me have them married. This is a married, stable couple. Yes. And that is who they are. And that is the dynamic. She's not going to have a fling with somebody just for ratings. Like, this is who the characters are. I can't remember having ever seen cool married people on yeah. TV before. I was I, like, these people are married? They're both awesome separately, and they seem awesome together. Is that a, is that real? They have real chemistry together. Oh, like, yeah. what's going on here? You just don't see that on TV. It's not done because they want the, well, they won't they, right. for who knows how many years. And yeah, and that's, I, that's I adore it. I think it's yeah. such a cool choice. Mm-hmm. And Wash is such like a goofy uh, weirdo, yeah. and Zoe's such a hardcore badass warrior. They complement each other so well. They do, and she's totally like the alpha in that relationship. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Wash which I also is, really love. Yeah, 
Yeah, Wash is like happy to play second fiddle as long as he gets to fly his ship and play with his dinosaurs. Exactly. He's comfortable. <laughs> like he's not threatened at all, which is something that you see with some of the other female characters really. Like the men in their lives are not threatened by the authority that the women have. Like, right. They yeah. they are power figures in their own right. Kaylee's a badass mechanic. Inara has the respect of like entire planets because yeah. she's <laughs> she's educated. She's a classy lady. Yeah. And patience is almost mare. <laughs> yeah, patience is almost mare of a moon. You know, like there are a lot of really strong women figures which you see immediately uh-huh. and which is part of the reason why people love Joss Whedon. He's not afraid to show that women rock as well totally you know yeah uh, it was it it did feel ahead of its time at the time mm-hmm. uh watching it now i i feel like it's um it, it held up pretty well yeah I, I think there's like a little bit of it's of female body exploitation going on in the first episode well i mean i mean there's a lot of naked females for one episode right but it's um it's not something that you see in most sci-fi. It's a mm-hmm. very male-dominated genre, right. just historically, just because that's how the industry was, or that's how you know male authors wrote sci-fi books. It's like the, the dude is the hero, and the women are just there to be rescued or right. reward at, at, at the end. Um, which have you read, uh, Artemis? No. Okay. Well, I won't talk about that but there's <laughs> i love andy Weir, great guy super funny i have some problems with artemis um, andy Weir, wait he, he wrote, wrote the, martian. the martian yeah you gave me that i loved that book yes! that book was fantastic yeah oh so ty- i thought the movie was disappointing because the book was so good the book was amazing well, they had to they you know for ratings and 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 um family friendly stuff they had to cut out a lot of what was funny about the book yeah and i um, thought matt damon was miscast i i did not yeah, I did not think he really fit that character. He was he was all right. I was yeah. I was okay with it. Yeah. But, anyway, <laughs> so anyway, yeah, it's normally a dude that you see in these sci-fi movies, um, and it, Joss Whedon doesn't do any of the normal tropes of like the girls that are just tagging along to be eye candy for the boys or right. rescued. Like you know, a princess needs to be rescued off of a ship. Um, you right. Don't see that the women can hold their own. Totally. Yeah, I feel like at times in this episode, the women were presented as eye candy for the audience, but not for the other characters. So it kind of like rode this line of me being unsure about the representation. But but for the but the fact that all the female characters are so strong, so well fleshed out, Mm -hmm. so badass, yeah, uh, and just like really, really wonderful characters. I feel like it's doing more right. You know, it's doing a lot right. Yeah. And especially for like the mid two thousands, oh yeah, or early two thousands, doing a hell of a lot, right? You, you just didn't see that, and now it's no. a little bit more common with you know Star Wars with all the female characters that you see these days. Yeah, it's um, it's about time. But yeah, it's two thousand eighteen right now. Star Wars came out two thousand fifteen, The Force Awakens. So we're still in this very new time of there yeah. being like, and there's still a lot of pushback. Like, oh yeah, the totally. internet revolts every time there's a female character when it should have been a dude. Yeah. I know? hate to even repeat this because it's so disgusting, but mm. somebody made a fan edit of uh, the Last Jedi where they cut out all the women. 
Yeah, so what's some, left? Like, yeah, Poe someone and was so upset about like the female characters just like being in positions of power that they cut them all out. I, wow. It's so offensive. Uh, of course, like I have to admit that that was like a clickbait headline that I saw like five times mm-hmm. in my newsfeed. I never opened it, right? So because it just made me so mad. So I don't know. I don't know what I'm talking about because I didn't even read the article. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm guilty right now good. of like just looking at clickbait good headlines. For, good for not reading it. But don't, I didn't want to read it because I didn't want to give them a click. You know, right. I don't. I don't want that to be new. Right. That's just gross. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, thanks, Joss. Yeah. We appreciate your full, fully fledged female characters. Totally. And uh, well, I don't want to rehash the whole plot, yeah. but I do want to say that the actual plotting of the episode, I think, is really, really great because mm-hmm. uh, there's so many character introductions that need to be done, mm-hmm. and uh, Joss did a really, really great job of having the plot kind of naturally go from point A to point B in a way that worked to also introduce characters right it wasn't as heavy-handed as sometimes like a show will have either 22-ish or like 42-ish minutes accounting for commercials to introduce someone so a pilot is normally like bam 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 and you have to say oh this person is a mechanic this person is a preacher this person Mm -hmm. is a pilot go yeah um but they were able to work it in a little bit more subtly which yeah is one of the beautiful things about Firefly. They took their time. There were these uh, reaction shots or just like panning shots where you got to appreciate what was going on and really just kind of take it in before moving Mm -hmm. on to the next scene. Yeah. And they did something really cool where they, uh, like once you get past the prologue, you have prologue that's the beginning part right that's the right the, word isn't the it the teaser the teaser sure they, they, i uh, think they call it teasers in tv yeah i, like I know tv yeah <laughs> <laughs> after you get past the teaser when you get into like the main story the most of the characters know each other and have a history together right and it's very palpable yeah and then simon and river and book come on board along with the lawman guy mm-hmm. uh so you get to have the outsider's view of what's happening and also have a sense of family already built right which is my favorite i love when shows do that like sports night did that uh sports night aaron sorkin comedy okay that was the one aaron sorkin i didn't watch it's a great show i really really love it uh sports ball ball. i know i'm I'm, i i didn't i i didn't want to watch it because of the title because i'm just not into sports and it didn't sound interesting but then i watched i'm like this is a. I would almost go back and watch it because i do i do love Aaron circuit i highly recommend it it's really interesting uh but i love i love that like sense of family but an outsider coming in also i think it's just such an effective way to start a story Mm -hmm. um jumping forward six years where mal has built this new family already yeah so cool Mm -hmm. and it's it's a really nice way of explaining everything without forcing it down the audience's throat like Mm -hmm. there's nothing more aggravating when you're starting a new story and the author or the director just think that you're stupid and so they have to spell things out for you and make it obvious but if you take your time the the audience will just love you for it. And you can tell because yeah. we're still raving about this show after totally. like 14, 15 years. It's been a really long time. No, it's been 16, 15 and a half. 2002 for the show? Yeah. It's the beginning of 2018. So it's 15, yeah, 15 plus. Yeah, 15 plus. Uh, yeah. Man. Since it came out. Yeah. Whew. Crazy, but we still have this fervor for it, and you can tell um, because the characters were just so well made. Yeah, it's, and you're right. The coming. story treats 
the audience as if they are intelligent. Right. And that was also so rare at the time. Mm-hmm. I I, for, I I think very pioneering, Fox. you know. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Sorry, Fox. Uh, but I mean, the, the style of storytelling—it's so serialized. Also, like mm-hmm. little tiny details from certain episodes come back later. There's right. so much mythology built into the show. Mm-hmm. You can feel the size of the world yeah. and the size of the universe, the size of the world building. Yeah, the world right building away. is immense. They tell yeah. you they're going between different star systems and different planets, different moons. Right. So there is a lot of content that you think you're gonna see um and you see some of it um speaking of all the worlds i'm a huge nerd i brought this binder um of it's called the verse in numbers (laughs) and it is a printout or many many pages of printouts of this guy called andy gore from quantum mechanics he did this in 2009 he actually went through um all the content of the show and got like he he got stats that he made up for everything that he corroborated with like, wow. role playing and um it tells you uh, which planet is w- part of which star system and which moons revolve around that holy shit um this is the entire verse right here with uh, like the size of the planet and it's like uh, there's like orbit at least 100 <laughs> pages in there it's it's huge um and this uh helped create something that we'll talk about in a second Oh. Yeah. Or I could talk about it now. D- hit me. Okay. I'm curious right, so, now. W- so one of the, the goodies that I brought... Um, in your giant <coughs> in a, uh, in a giant full of goodies? I, know, I, brought, I brought lots of stuff with me today it's for show exciting. and tell. Um, <laughs> I love the show. And When you got here, you're like, I brought stuff for show and tell, which I know no one will be able to see because no it's a podcast. No one can see it, but... so we'll just have to describe it with our words. Yes. Um, <clears throat> so when I uh, met my husband, we met through OkCupid. Okay Mm-hmm. And um, it was 2005, so uh, the year of the movie coming out, and um, th- we had lost the show, but there was still a lot of fan-driven, like, shindigs, they called them, where people got together and watched <laughs> the show and talked about their love for it. Um, uh, so I was on this site, OkCupid, okay um, it's a big thing, it's very common nowadays, um, but my husband had just watched the movie and saw my profile and saw that I was a little obsessed. (laughs) Um, And he said, oh, I saw this movie. I really liked it. This girl likes this universe. I'm going to talk to her and see what's going on. And that kind of sparked our conversation and got us talking back and forth for a really long time. So I want to say thank you to the movie. So I will (laughs) always have a warm spot in my heart for that. Firefly got you hitched. I know. Thanks, Joss. Um, so anyway, we both we both love this. And um, Ryan likes to make games. Oh. And long before there was... That's right. Was, he's like a video game designer. Yeah, he's like a, he does virtual reality now, but he dabbles in um, board games and things like that, too. He just likes to create. And um, our love for Firefly has manifested itself in several ways throughout the years. But I brought uh, with me one of his original board games that he made. Oh my God. That has uh, revolving uh, board pieces. It's rings and like different planets throughout the verse, but the board itself moves. What? Um, which we made off of this, uh, the verse and numbers um, binder. So thanks for that. Oh my that God. Too. I haven't seen this yet, actually. This was wrapped. This was wrapped in plastic when you we're, got here. We're in Whoa. Seattle. It was raining today. Oh, of course. Surprise! So I had to wrap this in garbage bags to keep it from getting all. 
That's a LaCroix can. To keep it from getting wet. It's so um, cool looking. Yeah. So um, there's all these different little um, pieces or um, spaces on the board in concentric rings. And there's core planets. And uh, we would roll dice to see uh, whether you would move. You would rotate uh, one of these three rings. And they would spin... And they would line up with different little Chinese symbols and things would happen there. And you would be able to traverse different parts of the verse by spinning these rings in different ways. Wow. Um, That's super cool. Yeah. It's just pretty fun. And you see things on here like Niska Skyplex. Niska? Uh, Oh, God. Niska? I I know. That guy. He's the worst. Oh, I know. Oh, man. Um big nerd for many years firefly is my baby um pretty much anytime i have uh, a character um when i'm playing an online video game i Uh try to reference something my first character in world of warcraft was uh, an orc shaman named niska (laughs) um oh wait no oh ah, it's been so long i take it back sorry it was sean yu um my 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 shaman was sean yu and then uh i had a uh a warlock named niska Nice. Yeah. So (laughs) the worst guy. I know. Just the bad guys. They, you know, go horde um, (laughs) for the horde. But uh, just you know, it's it's part of life for for people who love the show. You just incorporate it into everything because it's part of who you are now. Totally gets in your skin. One of my goals for this process of us doing this is to finish my song about Firefly by the end of it. (gasps) Yeah. Battle Cry of the Brown Coats. Oh. I which mean, I've played a work in progress on the podcast before. Yeah. But uh, yeah, let me hear the finished one. I will for sure. Okay. Hopefully awesome. it will be on one of these episodes before Eggs. we finish. Yeah. That's my goal. So uh, so what what do you have like pieces that you play with that you go across the board? Yeah, with? I didn't I didn't bring all of them with me because I had so much stuff already. But um <laughs> we had there was a little ship that you would you'd be trying to get around and then like reavers would be chasing you and uh you're doing jobs like delivering things from planet to planet and then just trying to get somewhere um with these spinning concentric rings on like the least amount of fuel because you know oh, you're fun. living on the raggedy edge and you don't want to meander all the way across when you could cut somewhere and be much more efficient about your fuel and, that's so cool and and wacky <laughs> shenanigans the entire time did he that's ever think about like pitching this to a game company he did briefly um but then he fell more in love with uh with video games and, yeah. and went down that route and this was just more of like a passion project at home uh, he also made a Name of the Wind board game, um, oh, which yeah. maybe you could try out one of these days. It's like a worker placement, um, kind of like Lords of Waterdeep, if any of you guys out there dabble in the board games, um, but themed along uh, the Kingkiller Chronicle. Yeah. yeah. You took me to see Patrick Rothfuss when he was in town, give yeah. a talk. That was so cool. Oh, yeah. It was um, supremely cool. <laughs> we enjoy our books and our book-related events here in Seattle. Yeah. I mean, you're the only reason I read any of those, and I love them. Well, I'm glad you did like them. Uh, for any of you listeners out there, if you haven't already read Name of the Wind or Wise Man's Fear by Patrick Rothfuss, uh, you should do it. Very do good. It. Yeah. They're very good. Because we're recommending all the good things today, and these are our favorites, so go, yeah. <laughs> go do them. Go. You'll be pleased. Um, have, have any of the video games that Ryan has made, are they available to the public? Um, yes. So he's done a couple things that are already on Steam. Mm-hmm. Um, he uh, These are uh, virtual reality games, so you would play them through the Vive. Um, 
The first one that was actually released is called The Nest. It's a sniper game. Um, you're up in this tower and you're shooting against um, futuristic robots, actually. And oh, they, fun. There, there was some lore behind that that changed over time. But basically, <laughs> it was this invading force of robots um, that you had to um, take out. And then it turns out you're a robot as well. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, so so there's that. Um, it's it's morphed recently to actually a multiplayer game, so you can play with your friends now. Um, but it looks a lot different than the original solo uh, sniper game. There's um, a lot more locomotion and different classes and things like that. He's also got a uh, it was kind of just like a demo that was released called The Wake, uh, which is a zombie melee. Um, experience you're in this urban alley and you've got like a wrench or a baseball bat or whatever you can find on the dirty ground around you and they're shambling life-size zombies coming at your face and (laughs) it's a very weird experience when you are actually in the headset because it feels so visceral to see something your size coming at your face (laughs) oh my god yeah i've never tried vr it sounds we need Crazy. to make that happen. Yeah, I really want to try to... minutes away. You need to... I know. What's the deal? <laughs> we're I, really bad at this. I know. We're terrible. Uh, I need to try the, the VR version of the Star Trek, like the Enterprise D bridge. Oh, the bridge crew. Yeah. yeah. Um, I've done that. It's it's short, but it's pretty fun. Yeah, I want to do it. Yeah. It sounds cool. We need to, we need to make that happen. Anyway, we, yeah. like, uh, we like Firefly. We like Firefly. And we're going <laughs> to... Yeah, we're going to go through the rest of the, yep. of the series. Excellent. Which is not the, the biggest project but i'm very excited about it anyway <laughs> yeah uh they're all just so rich and there's so much to talk about of all, all of them i'm yeah. really excited yeah well do you have any social media or anything you want to plug oh for myself no yeah. <laughs> uh let's plug more of your stuff uh oh yeah i'll do that later that's fine <laughs> i won't make you listen to that <laughs> oh god no oh but yeah if you guys want to go buy my husband's stuff or any of those people out there on vr uh check it out yeah. there's also um he's making a uh vive focus which is just coming out in china um but uh if if any of you guys out there in china um hero blade is the is the next game to look out for it's um kind of a uh not infinity blade exactly um but kind of like you're you're a dude with a sword in vr and you're fighting against stuff <laughs> So, I gotta try that. Yeah, it's really fun. It's it's it. an immersive experience that's great for everybody. Super cool. And you can be in the sci-fi. I want to be in the sci-fi. Do it. I want it. Yeah. Well, Jane, this was fucking fun. Yeah. This was. Well, clearly we're I'm, gonna do this again. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. I'm so excited now. I was. I'm actually more excited. I was very excited before, but now mm. that we've done one, I'm even more excited. Yeah. Because like my favorite episodes are all yet to come. I mean, mm-hmm. the pilot is great, mm-hmm. but I feel like the show hits highs that are like there's, worlds above what the pilot does. There's some masterpieces that yeah. are still like still draw a tear and yeah. I've seen them, you know, 75 times. <laughs> yeah. I don't care. How would you so let's let's rate these episodes as we go. We need a rating system. Should we go Ooh, out of 10? What do you think? Maybe like uh 10 Jane hats. 10 Jane hats? Yeah. What else could we use? 10 serenities? Um yeah, 10 um Girls in a box. I don't Girls know. in a box. Uh, what, what else is we, there in this show? There's, I don't uh, know. Brown, ten brown coats. 
Brown coats is pretty good. Yeah. Well, let's oh go with God. that for now. If we think of something better, we'll to replace it. Help us out, viewers. If you can think of something better, let Jesse know. Yeah. <laughs> how many how many brown coats would you give this episode? Yeah. Uh, wow. It's so strong. Um, and yet not my favorite. So yeah. if I have to grade on a curve, like yeah. my absolute favorite is 10.0. Yeah. Um, I would say this is probably like eight brown coats, maybe eight and a half, 8.5. Yeah. I... Uh, if I were just like giving this a score out of ten, it would probably be eight or eight and a half. But yeah. on a like, if I'm comparing it to other episodes of Firefly where I want to leave myself space to go above this, yeah, I'm gonna give it a seven. Right, because like there needs to be room because there are some that are just exquisite. Yeah, and I'm kind of cheating because I know what's coming. I know. Sorry, viewers, but, but I'm sure most of you have seen it by now too. Yeah. So but. you said eight point five. I'm going to I'm going to go with 8.5 cuz it's 8.5 nice. And I'm going 7. Yeah. It's it's good. I really like it. Um Yeah. Yeah. Got to leave a little wiggle room yeah. because it is very good. There's other stuff out there. Yeah. I mean, as far as like TV goes, it totally gets an A. Yeah. You know? Oh, if it's like grading against all other TV, then obviously yeah. an 11. Like, yeah, totally. This is, yeah. This is it. We're this already is, above yeah. other television right. and we're just it's its own rating system that is just yeah. Firefly. Yeah. 11 brown coats. Absolutely. <laughs> well, Jane Smith, thank you so much. Thanks We're going to do this again here. very soon because I can't wait to watch more. Yeah. So we're going to have to do this like within the next week, I hope. It's a deal. <laughs> <laughs> if you enjoyed this episode, as I said earlier, please leave us a positive rating and review on iTunes or any other podcast platform of your choice. It's very helpful. It's a great way to help this show uh, show up in search results and just help this community of sci-fi nerds grow. That's what I want. I would love for this to grow and grow and grow and just be a, a community of like-minded nerds who are excited about great sci-fi that helps the world move in a better direction. I mean, that's what I'm all about. You can learn more about me or this podcast, my other creative work, my sci-fi synth pop, my live game streaming, my music videos, all of that is at my website, jessemercury.com, as well as information on how to support my creative work and this show through Patreon or PayPal or uh, now YouTube sponsorships or even uh, Twitch Prime subscriptions. I, I now have unlocked all these cool ways to be supported on these game streaming platforms. You can learn more about all of that on my website. Um, next week, we'll be doing episode two of Firefly, The Train Job. Can't wait. Until then, my friends, stay nerdy out there. Stay nerdy.